back. Uh, we had a lot of breaks, a lot of school breaks and uh, fall break, and so it, it is good that you are in worship today. Well, uh, let's take a look at the Scripture, and as the Scripture's uh, coming up, uh, I'm excited about this next series that we're about to move through entitled Belonging, and today's Scripture is appropriate for us as we talk about that. Let's read this together. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one, one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentation of parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. A lot said by Paul, but appropriate for us as a church. I served in a community where I had developed a strong relationship with an African-American pastor who served a church near ours. And we were having lunch one day, and he told me a story about how in their educational wing it had kind of gotten run down and there were some old tables that the children used and these old tables had gotten scuffed up and banged up and and they looked rough and they didn't look sturdy and he said I would pass and I would say Lord we need something better than this 
And a couple of weeks later, he noticed that there was contact paper, beautiful contact paper, on one of the tables. He thought, that's strange. Sure does make it look better, but that's kind of weird that just one would be done. A couple of days later, he went to that same wing, passing through it on his way somewhere else, and he saw other tables. In fact, all of the tables had been covered with this attractive contact paper. And somebody had gone to the, to the effort of putting a skirt around these tables so that it would hide the beaten up and banged up legs. And so aesthetically, these things looked good. And so he called the trustees, thinking it was the trustees, and he said, hey, Larry, chair of the trustees, Larry, come and meet me in the kids' wing. I want you to see something. And so Larry looks, and there's a couple other trustees with him, and the pastor says, look at this. This is awesome. And just as some trustees would do, this trustee looked and said, well, who gave them permission to do this? <laughs> and another one in trustee fashion said, well, what's it going to cost the church? And so they were amazed. And they worked through some of that. And they were able to step back and say, somebody took some pride here. Somebody invested themselves in something for these children. And so that mystery remained unsolved for several weeks. I want you to pray with me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that by your grace, I am here. I thank you that by, by your grace, everyone in this room and everybody that's meeting in the sanctuary is here. And I thank you that we belong through the work of salvation, through Jesus Christ, and through the atonement, and through the sacrifice. You made us as ones who belong. And so thank you. I ask that you just bless this time as we share together. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, um, we are heading into a series entitled Belonging. And we're asking the question, what does it mean to belong? And for the next four weeks, we want you to find your place in here. Because we're going to be wrestling in good ways, uh, exploring the incredible reality uh, that you're one who belongs to the body of Christ. And what that means in terms of joy, what that means in terms of a covenant that you've made with God's people, and the responsibilities that we have together as followers of Christ. And so today, I want us to explore those words of Paul, and you should have those in your bulletin. Uh, he writes the church at Corinth, and he uses a figure of speech, and it's a good one, but really it's more than a figure of speech. He, he uses the phrase, the church is the body of Christ. 
and you are the body of Christ. And in a wonderful way, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to give us this word picture, this visual image of what the church can look like, what the church should look like. And he encapsulates that in the phrase, the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, the whole body, as you know, incorporates the head, the control center, and then there's the torso, which has so much to do with uh, our appendages and our arms and our legs and our ability to be mobile and to manipulate things. And so it's all-inclusive. And when you think about it, the body is an incredible organism. The body is, is an incredible collection of parts making something significantly whole. And so Paul wants to drive home the point that we are the body of Christ, and Christ is the head, and we're connected to the head, and we function as a body. And, and so these parts are important because it's the body and its members, the body of Christ, that spread the life and the love of God. God is depending on you and me to share His love with others. In fact, with His Holy Spirit working in us, that's really all He's got. And so when Paul is talking about the significance of the body of Christ, he's talking about a significance that you have in that body as just one part. Now, it's interesting. Someone may ask the question, well, Tim, how, how was it that I became a part of the body of Christ? Well, I want to say at your baptism, you were implanted in the community of Christ. You became a part of the body of Christ. In fact, he says it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. And so when you were baptized by the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It simply means when you received Christ, when you invited Christ to come in and take control of your life, when you said, hey, I want to cash in on all of that redemption that Christ paid for me on the cross. You were baptized. The Holy Spirit infilled you. And so at that moment, you were implanted, if you were, would, into the body of Christ. And so men and women today, I am excited to tell you that you belong to God and you belong to God's body of believers, the church. And we're not just an organization. We're an organism, alive and vital. We're not a group of people who are just religious and gathering together to enjoy mutually desired functions. But we're a group of people that belong to the same Lord. We are filled with the same Spirit. We are all given gifts of the Spirit, and we're intended to function together to change the world 
for the Lord, to make a Christ-like world. And so, as you are the body, Christ is the head, and Paul is saying, at your baptism, you became a part of the fellowship of the kingdom. But some attitudes can develop when that happens. <laughs> I want you to look at a couple of these attitudes. Attitudes about our part. And I guess the first thing I wanted you to do was celebrate that you are a part of the body of Christ. But something happens when we become a part of the body of Christ. Some, some inappropriate attitudes. And one is an attitude of insignificance or inferiority. Uh, I wonder how many people here this morning have ever found themselves saying, you know, I love to come to the church, but I can't contribute to the work of the church because I, I just don't have the abilities that some people have. Well, I, I want to say to you, each person, whether high profile or lower profile, whether more visual or behind the scenes, each person plays a vital part. And, and that's, what, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying there's, there's an interdependency that we have, and we need everyone to step up and play their part, to be the part that they are of the body of Christ. And so he says, it's like this. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body of Christ. It would, no, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. In other words, let's say the foot in this image, this visual aid of the body of Christ, let's say the foot feels insecure. And the foot says, I can't offer the things that the hand can bring. The hand is extended from an appendage and is able to, to hook and grab and, and do all of these things that I can't necessarily do. I'm not part of the body. And what Paul is saying is, no, that is wrong thinking. The foot is deceiving himself. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the, the body. And he goes on to say, where would the sense of smell be without the nose? Where would the sight, eyesight be without the eye? Where would we be able to hear the Word of God in ways that we need to hear it unless we have each one playing the part? And so he's saying, you're all valued. And to think any differently is ridiculous. For each person plays a key role in the work of God. And I think one of the reasons why we get this wrong thinking, somehow thinking that we don't contribute, that maybe we're not as important as others. Okay, I get it. We have some gifted musicians up here. And I get it that maybe you're not comfortable with preaching. Maybe you don't feel that that's something God has called you to. But this is just one slice of what the church is. This is just one piece 
of the work of the church, gathering together in worship, recognizing God as the audience. We are the ones who glorify God. That is, in part, the work of the church, but it's a small part. The bigger part has to do with us heading out into the world and changing lives and being in the midst of people's lives and offering an encouraging word. That may be a gift. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Or maybe you have the gift of helps, and you're able to, to coach someone in a, in a better direction. You see, that really is the work of the church when you are Christ in the world using the gifts that you have. I love that scripture out of Ephesians uh, 2, verse 10, that says, You were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Before you were even conceived, he had a plan for your life. He designed you to serve. And when you were conceived and when you were birthed, you were wired for a purpose. And that purpose is lived out maybe a little differently than, than mine is. But it's, it's the purpose of, of living for Christ and serving Christ. So sometimes we get this myopic or narrow view of what the church is and what the work of the church is. I want to say to you, you have more impact on changing the world than I do because you are sent out into the world every week. And Jesus said he came into this world to heal the brokenhearted to give deliverance to the captives, to open the eyes of the blind, to preach good news to the poor and to those who are despairing in heart. That's what you do. God incarnate, Christ came in our midst, and so it is that we're called to go into the midst of the world. It's like the guy in the orchestra that uh, he was conducting, and, and man, the, the trumpets were blaring, and the drums were roaring, and the violins were singing beautifully, and, and, and the organ was, was jamming out. And uh, it was just sounded like a masterpiece. The conductor stopped and said, somebody's not playing. And they're like, who? We're all playing. And he said, no, somebody's not playing. And sure enough, it was the piccolo player. And he said, look, y'all were doing it pretty well without me. I don't even know that you could hear me. And the conductor said, oh, no. Believe me, I have a trained ear. And for this to come off as a masterpiece, you've got to play your part. And in the same way, all of us have to recognize we're part of Christ and we have a role to play. The other is there can be some arrogance, an attitude of independence. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. There are times when we even as pastors get a messianic complex and we run ahead of what God is doing or what the church is doing and we think we don't necessarily need the body of Christ outside of ourselves. We've all been guilty of that. Or maybe a ministry that's been ex in existence for a while and, and, and it's in place and it's been a fixture in the church and another ministry maybe like it begins and this group gets a little threatened, okay? And we begin to say, 
we don't necessarily need you. We've been doing this quite well. Well, the answer is, no, you haven't, and maybe we needed to add something new. And so we can develop this mentality even in the body of Christ where we've got a corner on the kingdom, and there are no, no, no more new ideas. Now, there are people that are worshiping in the sanctuary, and they're singing hymns from a different century. And some of you are thinking, wow, I'm pretty cutting edge. I'm pretty contemporary. And, and sometimes we can be condescending toward them. Like, you know, we're pretty hip. We got it together. We got the musicians up here. We're, we're part of the culture. Well, let me tell you, they call you all the, the 7-Elevens. Sing seven verses 11 times. You know? And so in the church, we have to be careful. We have to be careful not to be arrogant and thinking we have all the answers, even for other ministries. The pastor was confused. He, he didn't know what was going on. Somebody was doing these tables. Somebody was sprucing up. And he wanted to get to the bottom of it, but he didn't know who. He wanted to compliment the person, encourage him. And so one Sunday, Miss Betsy, he said, Miss Betsy always ensures that under the pulpit there's a, a pitcher of cold water and a glass of water. That's her job. She sees that as her ministry. And on this particular week, he saw the same contact paper that was on the same tables in the children's wing. And he put it together. And he looked at her, and she looked at him. He looked at her, she looked at him. They confirmed together what had happened. He had put two and two together. He solved the case. It was Miss Betsy. And he was about to stand up and say something in recognition of her. And he looked over her at her. And as a spiritual mother, he respected what she thought. And she went, You see, she understood that everybody has a part to play. There's a young fella. He's about 23 years old. He's very much part of our church. He's, his name's Andrew, and he's special needs. And he comes to our 11 o'clock traditional service, wears a full suit, tie. He's got a collection of Elvis ties. He won't let me borrow one. I want to borrow one. He won't let me. I say, Andrew, when are you going to let me borrow one of your Elvis hats? It's not going to happen, preacher. He's, he's, he struggles, though. He, he's delayed in a lot of ways, and, and he can be fidgety in worship at times. And, and it's obvious when you see Andrew, you know he's special. But one of his jobs, you may see him today at about 12 o'clock, he goes around and he locks up the doors with Donnie Davidson. And he takes that seriously. That's a holy thing for him. And I went to uh, a restaurant not long ago and ran into his grandfather and him, and he said on a Tuesday, Preacher, the doors are locked. I said, good, Andrew. You see, he gets it. Everybody plays a role. And the wonderful thing is that you belong to the Lord, and you belong to the family of God. And you're one part in the body of Christ, and there's an interdependency, there's a unity when we begin to think right and act right and work in concert with one another. 
God can do incredible things when we see ourselves as a part of something much bigger than ourselves. You belong to the body of Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that as we share in these elements of communion, we are reminded that we belong to you. We are members of the body of Christ at our baptism and with the infusion of your Holy Spirit, you have mobilized us for service to use our gifts as just one organ among many, just one functioning part among the fellowship of believers. Help us not to step away from that holy privilege, but to step into it with real confidence. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen.